0: to the second episode of Whiskey and Wasted Words. It's um, only two months later than I think it was supposed to originally happen, but uh, it's, it's still happening here, right here, right now.
1: Yeah, we got a little busy and it happens.
0: It's it's very true. It's, uh, it's birthday season for me. I have four birthdays in my household in five weeks, so... November, December is a little busy for me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I can't even make excuses. I mean, it seems like every year leading up to Halloween, I overbook myself and overschedule my time. And now that it's done, I'm kind of caught up. But, uh, yeah, I, I always overdo it.
0: Yeah, it's a good time of year for that, I suppose. Because there's always, there's so much writing that
1: happens in, like, the horror community.
0: Everyone's like, oh, it's Halloween, we've got to write something
1: scary. (laughs) Yeah, I I did the, uh, you know, Jess West put out the 13 weeks of horror this year. I went into this year thinking, okay, I can do 10, because it was 10 last year, 10 stories. Right. like, all right, I'm going to be ready to do these 10. And uh, she surprised me with 13, and I made it through 10. So (laughs) apparently I hit my soft goal. But... (laughs) Yeah, I got a couple of good stories out of it too and one of them, uh, one of them is already just about done being illustrated. Um, Eric Roman and I are putting it together and he read the story and he got some ideas for some illustrations and threw them out there and they look amazing. And it looks like he's going to do another one up too. So, it's, uh, it's, it's exciting. I love seeing you know, it's one thing to write words but then when you, you know, have an artist who's willing to sit down and they get an image in their head when they read it and they, you know, put it down on paper. It just, it adds a whole new element to a story. I love that. So I'm pretty, pretty pumped about it, but it was a good season. And it, it,
0: it's so fun too that way when it works, you know, when the artist, when they, when they, what they show you is what you saw in your head and you're like, yeah, they
1: mm-hmm. get it. Cool. <laughs> yep. Yep. Or even, you know, for me, I read a lot in, kind of abstract I don't go into a lot of description about certain things and actually I think we might touch on this later when we get into some of our topics looking over our program here um, one of the exciting things for me is a lot of times if I don't need detail for something I don't write it into the story right? and it's really cool for me when an artist they, you know, they read what I've put but they get more of an image and they, they draw that It's it's almost like I'm seeing things for the first time and it's a lot of fun for me yeah, absolutely. So
0: uh the show is is we call Whiskey and Wasted Words. Are you, are you drinking whiskey tonight?
1: I've got a shot glass. So and I yeah, it's full of whiskey. I got some <laughs> uh cheap Evan Williams Honey. Have a little tickle in my throat, so this is just cough medicine, you know. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, I'm on I'm on water myself for the second month in a row cuz I I'm still technically at work and I suppose they frown on drinking while at work.
1: Well, if you just explain to them that you only have to drink for your other job that you do while at work, then <laughs> I'm sure it would all they would fly. They'd be okay with it.
0: Hey, listen, guys, I'm a writer. Don't you understand?
1: I don't. <laughs> right. Yeah, I've got water too. I've actually got a little bit of carbonated water and uh, my standard 32 oz, which I will not be drinking into the microphone this time. Sorry. <laughs> but that to was that was the everyone. highlight
0: of the last episode, I think.
1: It makes me sad to hear you say that, <laughs> but you're probably right.
0: <laughs> okay, so uh, uh, moving on down our our list here to keep us from rambling on to nothingness, uh, our icebreaker question this month from Twitter comes from Rachel Forgets, and the question is, how many fucks do you give,
1: Chris? Um, I, I guess all of them, and we had this conversation the other day, and it's it's funny that... This is the icebreaker because I'm pretty sure I've given all of them, and I'm pretty sure all of them land in your novels.
0: Yes, I have taken all of the fucks. I think the quote that you had used for me was all of the fucks that no one gives anymore have gone into into my writing. Yeah, and um, that was uh, that's fucking perfect.
1: <laughs> it, uh, I mean, I think I think the burden trilogy alone covers most of North America for the last ten years, so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's a, a topical icebreaker since we, we were actually just discussing that the other day. So,
0: And uh, since the question came from Rachel, I hope she listens at some point, but um, we are going to send her some Steampunk playing cards that I have signed and mailed to Chris, and they will mail them out to her.
1: Yeah, if I have to sign it, it'll be fun because that uh, still remains my... Greatest nightmare. What name do I use? And yeah, I I, I, I man, have man. the I first
0: the first Jariah Wood signature in my book, and I cherish it. It's yeah. it's close to my heart. Yeah.
1: I don't remember. Yeah, <laughs> I'll have to type it out so I remember how to spell it.
0: <laughs> All right, so moving down the list here, I want I want to talk about ridiculous just. Insanity, you know. I, I think that we've both incorporated some fairly ridiculous scenes in, in both of our writings. Have you ever written a scene or anything that you're just like, no, that's that's too much?
1: No, but <laughs> I'm I'm pretty careful about where I put where where I use ridiculous too. Um, I was trying to think over a lot of what I do. I mean, I write a lot of horror, and you can there's room for camp. I think there's actually I don't get into genres too much and I don't get into sub genres and, and categorization too much when it comes to things like this, but I know camp is a big part of horror and that is probably the part of horror that I have always been the least interested in. Um, I don't write a lot of it into my stories, at least not that I can recall, not that I can think of, but when I do ridiculous, I do ridiculous. Um, you know, I think a lot of people who know me are familiar with the Dirk McAwesome stories. And that's what those are. They're absurd. And on my blog, I did something a couple weeks back, just spur of the moment. It was, uh, I'd have to look it up, but it's something like a letter from space camp. And it's just, it's more absurdity. I mean, it's its not, I was actually thinking I'd do a whole series. You know, a letter from zombie camp, letter from the inside of this giant monster's stomach camp and things like that, you know? (laughs) Right. And, and, you know, just kind of taking the letters from camp vibe and, again, going absolutely ridiculous and absurd. But as far as too ridiculous, well, let me hear what you have to say on it before I dive in because, again, Dirk McAwesome is absurdism. I mean, it, it really is, but there's kind of a science to it. It actually makes it really difficult to write but I want to hear what you have to say before I take over or anything you know <laughs>
0: yeah, no, um, I don't think uh, trying to think back on all my on my stuff i don't I don't know that there have ever been any scenes where I went back and erased anything and been like no no this is this is too much, but you know that kind of seg- you know segues into my next the topic point here is it's is it more fun to insert ridiculous things in the non-ridiculous stories or just be completely over the top for the whole story? And for me, you know, I haven't written, you know, necessarily anything as much as like the Dirk McAwesome That's just over the top, but it's fun to take these things that would be, if you looked at the scene on its own, it would be just completely insane and ridiculous and try to work it into a story where it feels natural within a normal story. Uh when I started writing Burden Three, um, I had all of these, you know, all of these demons and all of these things. And I wanted to do something really fun and kind of over the top, and I was like, all right, what's what's the most ridiculous thing I can do? And I was like, Alright, I want to put a unicorn into Burden Three. This book about demons and this demon hunter and this this noir private eye, and I really want to put a, a unicorn into it. So I I found a way that I feel like naturally or as naturally as possible incorporated that into this book and that was a lot of fun
1: i didn't find the unicorn ridiculous at all which is funny because you know hearing that that's why you put it in (laughs) it it struck me as such a i mean the way you described it it fit the world the description like the reason it was there made perfect sense so i'm just like wow, it's a little odd that he used a unicorn, but I guess, I mean, it fits the character. So, <laughs> I thought nothing of it at the time. See, good, that's exactly what I was aiming for. <laughs> <laughs> of course there are unicorns here. Why wouldn't there be unicorns?
0: <laughs> exactly, nothing to see here, right. move along.
1: Right, well, I mean, because, because in, you know, in that series, in your your series, demons, essentially, are born out of the imagination. And, I mean, there are specific types, I, I but the fact that a unicorn is a common mythological beast it would make sense that someone could think about them and obsess about them and one could form so i i don't know i didn't think of it as ridiculous you did such a such a good job with it cool
0: <laughs> see that's that's why we're going to have these podcasts just so we can say nice things about each other's writing this is
1: <laughs> yeah well so talking about completely over the top stories I've gotten a lot of good feedback on Dirk McAwesome, and you know, well, there's one story that's out there. Um, Dirk McAwesome and the giant fire-breathing space ants. I wrote it in one weekend. I got the idea. I had I actually started a Dirk McAwesome novel years ago, and I would only write late at night when I was a little, uh, probably a little slap happy, honestly, and (laughs) I would just I kind of used it to vent in a very uh, very sarcastic way. The original few chapters, I read over them again, the first few that I'd written. And, you know, humor can be cruel. These were definitely along that line. I don't know if I'd want to release them now or if I'd want to edit them. Or <laughs> maybe they're better how they are. But I hadn't touched Dirk McAwesome in a long time, and I decided I wanted to write a story. So I shot... Uh, word out to a couple of illustrators I know and said hey I want to write this totally absurd over the top sci-fi um, story I'm, does anyone want to do a cover for it and my friend Joe I mean he and I have worked on a couple other things now he just he responded right away he's like that sounds right up my alley so I told him a little bit about what the character looked like he got to work on a cover and I said I just set an arbitrary timeline it was you know, Saturday. I said I want to have this thing done by next Saturday, right. completely. You know, written, edited, everything. So I made it through the first three thousand words, and it was perfect. It was just the words were flowing. I was in the right mood, the right frame of mind, and then I stalled. And the only way I can describe what it's like to write that because I was trying to tread a really fine line. I wanted it to be absurd and crazy, and just you know off the wall I'm I'm creating adverbs and and you know the number one adjective I use to describe anything scientific is space so and not even scientific just futuristic you know he drives a space motorcycle he has a space shotgun you know i mean he probably right. parks his motorcycle in a space space i i didn't put that in there but it'll probably be in the next one now um so you know when it flows it flows but it stopped, and it's really difficult to write because I want to sit on that line where it's so absurd that you know that it's terrible writing. <laughs> but at the same time, it has to be solid. Right. You know, I can't fall into the trap of absurdity for its own sake because then it just gets boring and it, it gets kind of overdone and, I don't know, not not interesting. The story still had to move, I guess. Sure. So I hit that. 3,000 word point and I really had to grind out the last half. I, to this day I still think the last half of that story is more mechanical but I almost had to make a little more mechanical to keep the story functioning and I swung through and one day I you know, edited it and managed to put in a few details to kind of lighten up that second half and move it along. But it's hard to write that. I, I find it difficult because it would be easy if I could completely swing it one way or the other. Either write them serious, or write Absurdity for its own sake, and it would be a terrible story. It's right. hard to find the balance, which is, I've had a lot of people say, when's the next one? And I've got a few started that I've had sitting around for years, but I just, I haven't really taken the time to to knock it out. Plus, I would almost say that it's one of my most popular things I've ever written, and if I died tomorrow, who wants to be known for Dirk McAwesome? Come on. <laughs> I guess maybe I would. It is a fun story, but
0: yeah. Yeah, better to be remembered for something, I suppose.
1: <laughs> yeah, something that's not the noodle incident of '89.
0: exactly, yeah. That's, I don't. Damn! I really want to make up something funny to say to that line, and you <laughs> you set me up perfectly, and I have. I, I know. I can't bullshit you know up what? something
1: right now. <laughs> that's what edits are for. We edit this, right? Uh, no, no,
0: it's going straight up like Uh-oh. this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, how are you with hypnosis? Maybe we can make any listeners forget the last few moments. That's that's the best I got. I hope that worked. Good job. I don't even know where I am anymore.
0: <laughs> so, have you ever read? Uh, well, I guess what's the most insane book or story that you've read? Did it work, or was it just too much?
1: I don't remember. This is this is, is going to be a terrible answer to this. I read a book someone gave it to me and said it was hilarious because it was so off the wall funny and ridiculous and absurd and I couldn't make it anywhere in the book because it was just terrible (laughs) and I was so disappointed because I wanted something that would be absurd and yet still have a story and i to this day I don't remember enough of it to know what went wrong but something went wrong and it was awful and I hated it and I wish I could remember the title. That's why this is a terrible answer. One time I read this awful book, The End.
0: <laughs> it's out there somewhere. I hope you don't find it out there. Right.
1: <laughs> uh, How about you? I mean, what, what do you got? You know, there, the worst? I don't know about worst. Uh,
0: the most insane book I think I've read was a book called John Dies at the End. And it was actually the book that made me want to start writing. Um, I, I've told the story on my blog a couple times, I think, but after high school, I hated everything I had to read in high school, uh, the Great Gatsby and Animal Farm and all that stuff. It did nothing for me, but, um, so I didn't read after high school, uh, not a lot. And then, uh, a friend of a friend suggested this John Dies at the end, and it was, uh, from one of the editors on the website crack.com, and I'd read the website all the time, so I was like, oh, hey, read this. And it was completely absurd everything about the story was absurd and to this day i'm still not sure that i quite got it all but it was fun and it was really intense and you know kind of scary i mean it could have fallen under i guess horror but absurd all at the same time and it all really worked well together the the insane things that were happening just kind of kept moving along. You're just like, oh, okay, yeah, cool. This guy's exploded in spiders. All right, yeah, I'm alright. Yeah, cool. <laughs> or you know, whatever happens. And I think, the, I think it was in the sequel at some point. There's the town's getting ready to bomb. Like the government's getting ready to bomb this town because they think that everyone inside it is zombies. And the main character is trying to coordinate all of these people to make a symbol so that the government knows that they're not zombies or, mm. you know, these creatures. And he's like, all right, sure. what's what's the most recognizable symbol that I could make that would let people know that we're intelligent beings? So they end up forming a giant human penis.
1: <laughs> well, zombies would never think of that. Exactly.
0: And, you know, and again, the way that this falls within the story, you're just like, yeah, okay, Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, you want to hear how literary I am? Okay. I uh, never read the book, but I did see the movie. <laughs> I don't remember a lot of it. The movie lost
0: a lot. there Because it was it was a really big book. I don't I remember how many pages it was, but it was a hefty book. And that did not boil down very well into an hour and a half long movie.
1: Yeah. I remember thinking it was good, but... That was it. <laughs> yeah,
0: if I had just seen the movie, or if, yeah, if I hadn't read the book, you know, it's, and you know, that's, of course, that's the, you know, the cliche, oh, the book's better than the movie, but there really was a lot that didn't
1: translate. Hey, Alex.
0: Yeah. Hey. Yeah?
1: Write that down. We should do that on another podcast,
0: Books and Movies. <laughs> All right, here, I'll, I'll make a note in our, in our file right now. Books to movies. Check. I'm going gonna,
1: I'm gonna to stop whispering now. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> well, All right. I didn't want everybody to hear that. Yeah, no, no one heard that. That was totally secret. That was just between us. Right. Well, that's why I whispered.
0: <laughs> Alright, so, um... I guess the, the main topic that brought us here to speak on today is, um... Our our world building and these strange, beautiful, wonderful places that we create, or awful in some cases, I suppose. Um, Do you build your worlds a lot before you start, or is that something you just make up as needed?
1: I totally make everything up as I go. Um, World building is a really organic process for me. I tend to build worlds across stories. I build only the parts that I need, and part of the reason for that is I always get better ideas later, and I hate to have to retroactively change stuff that I threw in as a stupid little detail that was unnecessary in a story. Right. Um, And when I say I build it across stories, for example, I wrote a uh, a small, a short story, about 3,500 words maybe, that I submitted, I, I wrote it for a submission call, and I'd never written about vampires before. I had um, an idea about a couple vampire girls in like an all girls school, and you know, there's a twist at the end, and they just one of those predators become prey right. kind of stories, and <clears throat> it didn't get accepted, so I just kind of shelved it. I thought, because. I, I, Honestly, I didn't really like the story. There are elements of it that I liked, but I didn't really like it, so I just kind of shelved it. I decided I'd never really do anything with it. And two years later, I'm writing a different story, which any of my old Twitter followers might have remembered me yapping on and on about my Twilight-esque story. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it was that one, and when I was writing that, the only connection it had with this other one at first was the fact that there were vampires in it that's it there i mean there's no connection i'm Vamp- having two stories that each have a vampire in them and saying they're connected that's a pretty tenuous connection um, right. but the more i got thinking about it the more i thought you know what i can kind of use the little bit of the world and the lore that i was using for that other story for the you know the second one i was writing and i ended up doing that and I ended up making one of the main characters from the first story. You know, it, she's in the second one about 15 years later. Which okay. Which is no big deal because vampires don't age or anything. But what was cool for me from a character perspective is by integrating them into the same world. When I was writing her, she had a very bit part. She's barely in it. She, In fact, she might only be mentioned. But knowing her history from what she went through in the first story made it so easy to characterize her. It made it easy for the other characters to talk about her. Her demeanor, how she acted, and how she looked, and why she acted the way she did. I knew that from the first story. So almost any time I can tie my stories together, I do that. And I keep it organic so that I can change it as I go. You know, you know, fit together what fits together. If things don't, they don't necessarily have to be in the same world. But I've got a couple different worlds that I'll consistently go back to. Whiskey and Wheel guns is another one with Devil, my main character, and, and some of his supporting cast. I'd actually been writing those stories for a while. Decided to do them in kind of the Robert Howard Conan style, where I'll just write Devil stories or stories about any of his friends without regard to a timeline. Right. But as I wrote more Weird West stories, kind of in that setting, I've developed these characters that work together and cross paths and everything else. And don't get me started on sword and sorcery fantasy after three National Novel Writing Month successes, meaning at least 50,000 words on each one, in a fantasy, sword and sorcery fantasy world that I developed as I went... Um yeah, that was that that had its good and its bad. It was definitely a learning experience, but I have an entire world full of characters and religions and locations and maps and everything else built for sword and sorcery stories, which is funny cuz I don't think I've ever finished one. <laughs> I'm I'm not kidding. That's like fun fact about me. I have more words written in sword and sorcery fantasy than I do in horror and I have never actually finished a sword and sorcery story that's true fact as of now The horror is getting really 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 close is that like a
0: a length thing for you because sword and sorcery for me tends to be like 200 million word long epics whereas horror I think
1: lends itself to a shorter form a little better is that everything to do with it? it has more to do with National Novel Writing Month like I say, I, I did four of them in 13 months. I did National Novel Writing Month in November of 2011. I did Camp Nano in July of that year, which is another 50,000 words. I did Camp Nano in August that year, and that one I took a break from the fantasy because I'd done the last two in that in that world, and I wanted a break, and it was only two months after the you know, the, the right. second one. So for that one, I did a book of short horror stories. So I did eight different short horror stories that all total up to 50,000 50, words. And then that November, I did one more, one more blast, hoping to finish it off. And I'd say I got about 80% of the way through. It all needs to be rewritten. But, I mean, those three right <laughs> there ended up to be 170,000 words for, you know, what I had into them by the time I was done. And then I've got numerous short stories that I've started with characters from that world. Right. For a while, I wanted to do a monthly one. I wanted to throw these things out on Amazon one per month that would be 12 short stories in serial. And I'm talking really short, like 2,500 to 4,000 words each, just every month telling one long story over the course of 12 months. And the reason I wanted to do that was kind of, more of a marketing scheme than anything else that if people got into those it would kind of prepare them for some of the characters that would be in this novel that was going to come out that is so terrible it's just oh my gosh it's a bird's nest it's awful but with rewrites it would be good the world's good the story's good but yeah world building organically (laughs) has some problems (laughs) It, it can lend itself to some problems so yeah but I definitely build them as I go and yeah, what do you got? Because I mean, you've got the burden, you, you've got Burden's world, right? Right. And then Hero Engine, we're talking right. superheroes, and then you've got something else you're working on. Yeah. Which, from what I understand, is totally different, right? Totally different. Yeah, they're all
0: they're all totally different. The only really even link between any of my novels, I think, is. Um, And, uh, there's a police officer in Hero Engine, and at at one point he says something about, uh, arresting a a drunk guy with a knife trying to cut off people's heads or said he's a demon hunter or something like that. And that was, like, my just super vague, haha. I had an alcoholic character who tried to kill demons in my last book kind of thing. Um... I I totally got the reference, by the way. Good, good. That makes me happy. (laughs) Um, but no, I, I definitely, I make it up as I go, um... The current book I'm working on has all of these different races on it. You know, it's got hares, which are werewolves and mages, and it's got stones, which are gargoyles and uh, teeth, I call them. And they're kind of like, almost like vampire-cannibal hybrids. But um, I started writing on it. The story really only focuses on a couple of these many different races. And I have a a book that's... uh, an artist an oversized artist sketch pad it's a huge and that's how I outline all my novels on it I don't use lined paper I just start writing ideas on one giant sheet of paper
1: and that sounds uh, so confusing
0: it does but then you know it, once I start like I just jot down all these ideas and then as I start to actually outline I can just like kind of cross out the you know kind of like shift them in order it's like a minority report computer thing you know I'm just like grabbing them and throwing them but um, I uh, I had each of them the races as I mentioned them on a separate sheet of this notebook paper, I just wrote the race down and left a big blank after it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in chapter one, you know, a character might be like, Oh, like those stones over there and then that be it and just keep going. And then, you know, in, in chapter two I might say, Oh, well the the stones turn into rocks or something and then I'll I'll make a note under that you know, I'll be like, okay, stones are gargoyles that turn into rocks, or and that's that's kind of how I keep up with what I'm doing as I go. Sure. And it's definitely it's bitten me. It's come back and bit me a couple times before that I've had to you know go back to the beginning and be like, wait a minute, halfway through this mythology
1: changed or something. But so that's how you that's how you keep track as you're you'll you'll just arbitrarily decide that. Oh gargoyles happen to be green. In, yes, in my world. And so you go back to your notes and under gargoyles you put always have green skin or something weird like that. And yes. that's how you keep track of the details.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh that's it's worked well enough for me so far, I think. <laughs> I I should do something like that. Cuz I I have a it might be different if I had a really good memory, but I think you and I have both discussed this in the past. I have an awful memory.
1: So I'm already worried that if I did that I would just misplace the notebook <laughs> because yeah my memory is awful and that's one of the reasons that I think I avoid getting too detailed when I do my world building. I I, I build what I need at the moment and that's about it. Right. And I think that's why um yeah.
0: I uh, actually for this newest novel I uh, the Four or five main characters. I went and found pictures in you know Google Images or whatever, and saved them all in like one little collage, so that I could just be like, oh, reference into her green eyes, and they're actually green the whole story, as opposed to being like three different colors. Because I would do that.
1: <laughs> that's, that's that. There we go. Well, I'm not going to whisper this time. but That could actually be another topic too, because you know something for another show because yeah I could talk for a while on getting inspired to write a story off of a picture right. because that's huge for me if I if I have illustration to go to or a picture to go to when I'm writing a story yeah that's that's pretty awesome it's amazing how much that helps so everything so like um, let's go to Burden's world cuz you've got you've got 3 books starring Ty Burden. Right. And, like, the demons in that, were you pulling demons from elsewhere? Did you make them up? Was it the same kind of process you were just describing, where when you'd make up a demon and you'd describe them, you'd just jot it down in that notebook so that you'd know if you went back to them, those were their characteristics? Uh, no, well, not with Burden. Um, with Burden,
0: I, uh, all of the demons that are mentioned are, you know, quote-unquote real demons. Okay. Okay. Uh, and you know, lucky for me, uh, humans are pretty fucked up and have been making all of these strange demons for hundreds and hundreds of years. So, I would when I when I made my rough outline, I would say tie fights a fire demon and just keep going. And then when it came time to actually
1: write the scene,
0: I would just hop on Google and be like, fire demon, go. It's and...
1: disappointing. <laughs> I assumed that you'd go to your like human skin bound book of demons written in blood on pages made from the tears of weeping children but you went to google well, for your demons
0: that's i call the book google actually the skin bound book is called google
1: oh okay yes. okay yeah <laughs> well i'm back on board keep going <laughs> um but and yeah every time that worked
0: out that i could find even if it wasn't exactly what I wanted, I could more or less bastardize something that was already there. Um, the demon that shows up, I think, in the first two. I don't know if he shows up in the, fir- in the third novel or not. I can't remember now. Good memory, right? But um, there's a demon have it down exactly uh, named uh, Azriel, and Azriel is a combination of at least two different demons, maybe not three, now that I really liked the idea of one and the look of another, so like I just kind of was, was like, yeah, these go together,
1: and uh, that's where that came from. So this kind of, I guess, looking at our program, which I probably should have done a minute ago... <laughs> We are supposed to move on to, is it easier to make something brand new out of nothing or follow along with a world that already exists? And that's kind of what we're already talking about. So I'm going to pretend that we just naturally moved into that one. So for, for Burden, at least the demon aspect of it, the supernatural aspect of it, a lot of, well, let's specifically say the demon aspect of it, you were pulling from things that actually existed. Correct. But the process of summoning them, I think, was pretty unique. So that was just... That that portion of it, and obviously I'd say the, the agency, that was all you, right? Right, yeah. Okay. So you just kind of commingled some fact with Alex's patented brand of fiction.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, That's that's how I like to do it. I have the utmost respect for pure fantasy and science fiction writers that can create these huge, immense worlds where everything is different because it's so much to keep track of. Uh, Yes. I like to place my stories in the more or less real world. Um, They're in real cities. They're, you know, everything is more or less normal plus or minus my idea. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. Ty lives in the real world that you and I live in. He lives in Knoxville, which is, you know, right up the street from me. Um and I you know, all of the all of the places that he visits are real. I have just added these demons in because then I didn't have to go and make this place up. I didn't have to make this world up, I didn't have to make these rules up. I just, you know, I had this idea that, hey, what if we thought demons? And that's where that came from.
1: Alright. But I see here you you mentioned that um possessed, which was your whiskey and wheel guns your set of stories for Whiskey and Wheel Guns. And Possessed, you say that you made all the demons up from that one.
0: Yeah, that's... that's I think I wrote Possessed in between the second and third burden novels. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I has, I knew all the burden novels were or all the burden demons were real. I was like, okay, well, I did them all real, now I'm going to make them all up, so... Uh, and there's not a ton, you know. In in burden, he fights kind of a whole grim wars worth of demons. And in possessed, Joseph only runs into uh, one or two or three, maybe. But
1: most of them, I would say, would they had names too. Uh, there was the horseman on the wanted poster. Yes. And that that's the one that sticks out in my mind the most. That, there was a that fight, but that as... was more like a demon possessed guy than just a generic demon though wasn't it I mean not necessarily a guy but right yeah
0: no that one was definitely I think borrowed from the Headless Horseman quite a bit because the Sleepy Hollow was awesome I don't know that's <laughs> yeah. like I want that and that's where I, I borrowed that from I, probably I, I'm not going to argue Sleepy Hollow is awesome <laughs> That's I, I, if I, you know if possessed is ever a movie I hope that my headless horseman is also played by Christopher Walken.
1: <laughs> nice. There you go. I, I I'm sure he's listening and his agent is probably going to give you a call shortly. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean this this kind of rolls into the do you prefer to take your monsters from real mythology or make up your own mythology? And I'm so glad I asked myself that question. I tend to uh I tend to use a lot of basic mythology in my sword and sorcery fantasy books. you know there's a race of orcs there's a race of elves. The reason I went that I mean I could have done something completely unique, but it's not that important to the story and when you especially with the, you know the you've got the popularity of the popularity of nerd things is higher right now than it's ever been. It's just a fact. I mean, when I was growing up, you played Dungeons & Dragons. You didn't tell people at school because you didn't want to get made fun of. Maybe that's still the case. I don't know. But, you know, if I'm at the comic book shop, I mean, people are coming in, and I've, I've seen this where people come in and they say, I wanted to play this in high school but was afraid of getting made fun of. Do you have these books here? Which totally shocked me. But, right. I mean, but it's 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 more accepted now than it was. And because of that, a lot of people, and, and the movies, I mean, you look at the the Middle-Earth movies, the Lord of the Rings movies, and The Hobbit and everything, they did really well. So when you say elf, people immediately, like there's an image that their mind conjures. Orlando Bloom. So yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, it, you mentioned there are a few words, a few common, you know, sword and, sword and sorcery type fantasy races you mention them and people instantly they have a frame of reference and so instead of trying to describe these weird things that people are going to have to constantly go back to I say they're elves and that that sets the tone right there and I don't have to try and hammer a new definition of what these what this race looks like into someone's head because for the story purposes it's not important so in that sense I like to uh I like to use a lot of common terminology. But there is a Conan story. I want to say it was... I could Google it, but it wouldn't be fast enough, so I'm just going to guess and guess poorly. It was something about the Tower of the Elephant something? I don't know. I'm pretty sure that was the one where he's going through this tower, and he comes across this otherworldly creature. And the way it was described, it was just... It struck me as being really unique. It was kind of a combination of a lot of features from real world animals and human and everything else, but it wasn't something that you would run into. And it it forced me to really, you know, reread this section two or three times, piecing it together in my imagination to figure out exactly what it looks like. And that impressed me a lot. It really took me out of my comfort zone with that style of story and forced me to imagine something new that I hadn't heard of before that I hadn't thought of before it wasn't just a dragon or an orc or a goblin it was something really unique and another time that happened would be in Joe Lansdale's The Drive-In its I want to say it was a pretty short book I thoroughly enjoyed it and about halfway through maybe three quarters of the way through The Popcorn King shows up and I don't want to get into any spoilers, but if you read the book, I came away from it wishing that I could draw so I could go over the paragraphs describing this Popcorn King in detail and just draw exactly what it would look like because I need to see it. It's that type of thing. I think they may, there may have been a graphic novel okay. made of it, and I I'd, I'd love to find a copy of it just so I could see what the artist's, version of it looks like it was so twisted and so unique and so again there's like a comfort zone we have where we hear certain words and our mind instantly conjures an image and we move on and the way joe lansdale wrote this this being this monstrosity you know it was it started out as two people and you're not really quite sure what happened but what it turned into and what it did and what it did to people was so outlandish and so off the wall and so out of that frame of reference for anything monstrous just the the sheer distance it had from anything that was already referenced you know that that you, that you have kind of an index in your head for sure. it makes it more disturbing because it's so odd and i'm the type of person where i have a pretty broad imagination so things don't often shock me they don't often surprise me so when it takes me a second and i have to step back and really try to imagine what something looks like not in a not in a tedious way but in a curious way right like i i want to know this it really makes you can you can make a monster that's more disturbing and more distressing just because it's so foreign. And, and I, since I've read those, there have been a couple times and a couple different stories where I've really tried to not just stretch my imagination, but fracture it. Right. And, I mean, just really take myself away from where I would naturally want to go and make something that is just so deformed and unlike what we would imagine something to be like that it really takes us to that same spot and I don't know if I've succeeded but it's something I shoot for so good question yeah um, honestly I really like
0: I, I do a lot of what you're talking about you know just take something you know if you just need a filler you know I can you can say oh a werewolf and everyone has their own idea of what a werewolf looks like they're all sure. they're all handsome um, <laughs> and, um <laughs> they're the best but it's um I have a lot of fun too taking something that someone has an immediate idea of and turning it on its head. Like uh, in in this new novel, I I, I I had a title forever and I hated it now and I think I'm going to call it Necrotown, but at, for the moment I'm going to call it Necrotown. in it the the, the I'd mentioned earlier the stones are gargoyles. But the, you know, kind of the mythos behind them is that these gargoyles are hu- in their human form in a normal state. And at any point, any given point, they can turn into the a rock, and they have no idea when it'll happen or how long it will last. You know, there are stories of people who have turned into a gargoyle and been like that for years and years and years. So all of these, all of these people, all of these the stones are all super like carpe diem, live for the moment, like college bros, mm-hmm. because they have no idea when they're going to turn to a rock and for how long. So they're just Super like party frat boys, and that's a lot of fun to say gargoyle and then have these like bunch of dudes screwing around in a liquor store, like loading up for right. loading for the weekend,
1: not necessarily perching themselves on the corners of gothic architectured buildings,
0: yeah, no, I when I say gargoyle liquor stores, I, yeah, my first thought is the the cartoon, um, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And that was – that's my first like image is like the big – I don't even remember his name. There was like just this big broad gargoyle dude and that's that's first thought I think.
1: <laughs> the first thought I think is won't you take me down to Necrotown? Now that's going to be running through my head all night. Good. <laughs> <laughs> if that was your goal, you have succeeded, sir.
0: Yes. I hope so. I hope it's my goal for everyone. My new book is called Necrotown. Whenever it comes out, you guys should all buy it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Use that hypnosis again Uh, really well last time. I think. I don't really remember.
0: (laughs) Okay, so uh, closing out, I guess. um, What will you be working on writing-wise until our next meeting of the minds and the voices?
1: I am diving into five lead slugs. I wanted to finish up... I'm kind of on this kick right now where I'm trying to finish up old things. I'm trying to take things that I've wanted to get done for a while and get them done. And at the same time, I wanted to do something a little longer form than the standard short stories that I've been working on for years. Just kind of knocking out a short story, knocking out a short story. And I was planning to work on a novel that I've had an idea for for a while. I got have it about halfway outlined. I mean, I've got a summary of the whole thing down. But I actually have have it about halfway done chapter outline-wise. And... The more I got thinking about it, I mean, I've I've been meaning to finish the five lead slug stories. I've got the first one's out, the second one's written, but not out. It's been like that for probably close to a year now. I've teased about releasing it a million times, just never done it. Um, I've got the idea for the third one. Just kind, I know where it starts and where it ends. And the fourth one, and the fifth one. And, you know, I'm figuring they're probably going to each be... 7,500 to 12,000 words. It's kind of the ballpark I'm shooting for. Right. And three more of those to write is definitely a novella. I mean, I, I'm looking at twenty five to 35,000 words, I'm kind, I'm thinking. And so I thought, you know, if I'm looking to do something a little more long form and at the same time I'm trying to finish up a lot of old projects, this is what I need to dive into next. Plus, I love the story. I don't really have any good excuse for not writing it. I love the story. And it needs to be told. I need to to get it off my desk. So I will be working on five lead slugs. Uh, probably trying to get I'll give myself a couple weeks because I think I'm going to do all three at once. So I'm just going to you know bang 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 knock them out. I won't be releasing them that quick, but I want to get the roughs done right in a row, just like I'm writing just like I'm writing a a, a novella or a short novel and they're episodic. I try and make each one its own story, so if someone starts in the middle, or if they just pick one up at any point, you know, it's gonna start with him chasing this brother, and it's gonna end with how that and how how it's gonna end with that brother. Right. I'm not gonna give away any spoilers for what I've got planned for the later chapters, but you know, the the first one it's the setup and it ends with basically it ends with him understanding hey, the world's not exactly what I thought it was and I know what I have to do now the second one, which I haven't released yet, it's pretty straightforward it's very much, uh, I'm searching for this brother and I found him, and at the end it's the resolution, what happens with him and the brother and most of them are going to be like that I'm going to give myself a couple weeks to outline all three right in a row because I have started a lot of threads in the first two that I want to make sure are resolved well I don't want to leave anything hanging. So I'm going to outline all three of them at once. And then I'm going to probably try and just knock out one a month for the next few months so that by early 2016, I've got them, all the rough drafts ready to go. And it's just a matter of polishing them up and getting them out, getting some cover art for them and and putting them in a template. But that's where I am right now. That's what I'm going to be focused on for the next few months is really just finishing up that story and getting it out there.
0: And I'm super excited about those, honestly. I, I think I've I've brought it up to you more than once to write them, just because I want to read them. Um, and they're it, it's called Five Blood Slugs. They're originally five brothers, right? Am I getting that right? Yep. Okay. Yep. And I'm super interested to see what happened because you know the kind of the feel I got for it at the beginning was I've got five bullets and five brothers, but somewhere along the line. One of those five bullets, I believe, ends up in the thigh of my character from Possessed. So,
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> you're you're down between, a slug, <laughs> down down one slug before he even finds the second brother. So, yeah, he's already gonna have to come up with a way to improvise a little bit because yeah, he had, he started with five bullets and yeah, chasing five brothers. First bullet took out the first brother and uh, the second bullet, yeah kind of entered joseph's leg when he was on a train waving goodbye isn't that about how it went
0: yeah yeah that's how that's after their first uh confrontation of sorts and i really hope there's more to come actually we we've bounced around you know maybe co-writing something else but i, I would love yeah. to get back into the weird western world
1: well the, the devil does go down to georgia from what i understand isn't that where joseph is so yeah yeah
0: down in georgia yep
1: yep we'll make it happen
0: Absolutely, and for me, I've got on my plate, this Necrotown is, I'm at 48,000 words right now. Um, I'm gonna be done just shy of 60,000, I think, so I have to finish the first draft of this novel. I haven't finished writing a single novel in 2015, and after finishing three in 2014, that's kind of an embarrassment. So that's where I'm at, is finishing this effing novel right now.
1: I think you just... Built up karma in 2014. Don't. I mean, it's not that you slowed your pace; it's that you took care of 15, 16, and 17 and 14. So, don't don't worry about it. But get it <laughs> done because I am out of Alex Nader books to read, and well, I'm I'm finding some other gems. But I'm ready to I'm ready to read Necrotown. I'm ready to go down to Necrotown. <laughs> all right well I think that's enough for this so, yeah, evening that's code for get it done
0: get it done get her done <laughs> all right well um this is Alex Nader and Chris Smith signing off for the evening I believe do you uh do you have 32 ounces of water to chug this evening
1: look my whiskey's gone my my glass of carbonated water is gone and I have... 24 ounces of water left But I think I did pretty well and I don't feel the need To drink that into a microphone Alright well I guess that is Farewell then It is farewell Have a good evening